Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Hello and welcome to Health and Fitness with me, David Hollywood. We have a special episode for you this week. Very shortly, we'll be talking about health and fitness on the farm. You'll hear about this year's National Menopause Summit from a doctor who you may have seen on your TV screens. And we talk about equality of access to sporting facilities in the Midlands County. The first half of the show comes to you from Neil Feary's farm in Shannon Harbour. We were delighted to be invited to the West Offaly Dairy Discussion Group, made up of 15 farmers from the jurisdiction, to record a special presentation made by none other than my predecessor on health and fitness, Dr. Diane Cooper. Diane was joined by the nutrition expert on our team, Ruth Kavanagh. The special presentation is on an issue that's very close to Diane's heart, and that's health and fitness on the farm. We'll hear some highlights of their talk very shortly. But first, I pulled Diane and Ruth out of the calf shed on Ronan's farm. You'll hear Diane first here telling me about why she cares about the issue so much. You can see from the start of the presentation through to the end, there's there's big changes. There's changes in people's body gestures, body language and in, in knowledge and understanding. So what I love, it's such a privilege to be able to come into a group and take them through a process from A to B of, you know, these are some of the issues that you're facing, but these are the evidence-based ways of fixing them in a very simple and practical way. And that's a re- it's a real privilege to do that. Um, and then you can hear from the questions and, and the comments that it it makes sense. And they're thinking, they, they said, oh yeah, there are things that we can absolutely um, adopt and do in our days. And the fact that they know that it makes a massive difference to their health um, is, a, is a really good thing. So... Um, it's just a privilege to be able to come into the group and, and like t- to be fair to have them welcome us you know really and truly like you know they they didn't know us and they were just so open and um, lovely sure it's it, that's that's it it's just a privilege yeah it was a lovely atmosphere um, Ruth you opened up the presentations specifically looking at nutrition and um, obviously it's an area of expertise for you um, and then just some of the practical representations of what you were talking about are, are kind of arresting and mind blowing the amount of sugar in our everyday products and this type of thing. Um, do you find that these uh, these messages still surprise people uh, today, even though all this information online and elsewhere is out there? Yes, absolutely. Like I think salt in particular, when you look at heart disease, like people don't realize that it's directly linked to blood pressure, blood pressure then is directly linked with heart disease so it's these simple changes that people may tend to underestimate the impact that they can have on your health really is the small changes when when you do them daily make it into a lifestyle habit that's when when they'll see the changes but yes people are still surprised to this day when when the message is clear um, but it's just making it work for that person and uh, you know Diane was very good in talking about some of the physical stuff that you can do, but uh, nutrition is such an important component of how our bodies develop through our lives. So um, it, it was fascinating to see that, again, so much of what you guys were talking about today are simple, attainable changes that can ultimately deliver life-changing changes. Absolutely, and I think along with that point is sometimes people think that if they have, uh, you know, they do all the the right things that they're supposed to in one day and they wake up the next morning and they don't see a big change. They kind of say, oh, that didn't work. But that's not the point. It's these small changes over time. When you compare yourself 
after time like if you're looking at yourself in the mirror you, f- you feel a certain way today in six months time you won't remember how you felt unless you reflect on it which generally people tend not to do unless they're asked so I'd say stick with the small changes keep doing it build it into your lifestyle and you will feel much better in six months time 12 months time as the time goes on you will but when, when you look at people who would be deemed to have had success in gaining strength or losing weight or whatever it is if you if you were to look at what they're doing they're actually doing these small things daily or or almost daily so it's consistency it's small things and it's called it's called lifestyle medicine for a reason it's it's how you live your life it's not something that you do for four weeks or six weeks like the conversations inside were you know I've tried this thing for a few weeks and it worked great Mm -hmm. and then it didn't and no matter what the thing is that anyone tries you will always going to get that result because it's not something that's sustainable in your life. So in terms of the work that we do, we very much are focused on lifestyle change, small, simple, practical, but evidence-based, obviously things we know that are effective. And that's how people have success. And that's, it's, there is no silver bullet. There is no magic pill. There's no point coming to Ruth or myself if you're looking for a magic pill because one does not exist. Um, But if you do slow and steady, (laughs) wins the race when it comes to health and lifestyle. You mentioned there the work that you guys do and if uh, people were to come to you, there's no silver bullet. Um, If people listening to Health and Fitness this evening do want to um, look for uh, a lifestyle change and a solution, that's something that you can provide for groups, be it uh, remotely, that type of thing. Is there a way of engaging with with those services that you guys do? Absolutely. And I will say, actually, um, we're in a very fortunate position that the vast majority of the work that we do is funded by fabulous funders in, like... It would be the HSC or Healthy Ireland or Leash Sports Partnership or lots of different funders. So a lot of the work that we do is actually free, okay. um, which is great because it is that could have been a barrier to participation, which we totally understand. So um, if you look us up, uh, so www.edufit.ie um, and sign up to our newsletter every month, you can see all of the talks, workshops, programs that we have going on around the country um, and you'd be very welcome to join us. Let's hear some of the best bits from their presentation. First up, Ruth's work on some of the key health markers that can lead to a big national issue in this country, and that's heart disease. High blood pressure uh, was another key uh, concern from our data. Very interestingly, when we asked farmers at the start to complete their health history questionnaire, only 10% of farmers said that they had high blood pressure. But we done blood pressure, we done uh, finger prick checks to look at cholesterol and blood sugars. We found that 70% of farmers actually had high blood pressure and then 60% actually had it afterwards. So less, or farmers actually reduced their blood pressure after the six-week intervention. But that was a big shock because only 10% of them thought that they actually had high blood pressure. And why that's so concerning is high blood pressure is a major risk factor for heart disease. And unfortunately, we don't get many symptoms. So we could have high blood pressure and we may not know about it. So it's, it's really, really important that we go and get health checks. It's literally less than 10 minutes, put a blood pressure cuff on your arm and it really, really is a lifesaver. Next, Diane is talking to the group on the importance of muscle strength to a farmer's work. What's happening here, right? This muscle has basically, it just shrinks, it wastes away. That's called sarcopenia. Um, so it's not a, it doesn't, the leg hasn't gotten bigger. That's not, a, it's not a large leg, it's a small leg. But of what's there, it's not much muscle. So I am going to have problems with strength. Every time I walk, I actually, it requires a lot of strength and balance to actually walk because I'm usually on one limb at a time. 
So if I'm walking across uneven ground, if I'm trying to get up and down off a height, if I'm trying to do a lot of things, there's major balance issues here, there's major frailty. The risk of injury for this person and all of the years leading up to that is high. Okay, so that you need to be mindful, because I'm showing you a leg, but it obviously happens, happens everywhere. This bone is not good. If the muscle is weak, the bone is weak. That's osteoporosis. Okay, so it's, it's what happens here is, this will be very likely to fracture with a fall. It will be very likely, likely to break. And as we get older, we have a high prevalence of that in our hips, in our spine, so the whole length of the spine, and wrists. We have a lot of soft bone in those areas. Um, and I, I want to point out something else about this, um, because I'm talking about physical things now, I'm talking about strength and functionality. But if, if you know anyone who's older, who's frail, and who has had a fall, generally what happens is, after the fall, it can often kickstart or accelerate something like dementia and Alzheimer's. And if you have falls, uh, and you end up in more bed rest, and more severe physical inactivity, you have a lot of muscle wastage. You, have, you lose strength rapidly with that, and you get the same issues with cognitive health. So this is a major, major, major issue. The point I'm trying to make is, for me, for everyone I know and love, for everyone I work with, I'm not trying to turn them into triathletes, I'm trying to take them, just trying to get them to move in any shape or form to get them away from here, because you don't need to end up here. But you will end up here if you do nothing. And that's just the, the reality of the situation. Working on these things takes time, and farmers will know that time doesn't come easily. Here's Diane again. And you colour-code the activities. So, you know, farm work is colour-coded, home stuff is colour-coded. And if you look at your whole week, and every minute of every day is colour-coded, it means that there isn't, there's literally not one minute. There isn't a minute for you to actually do something for yourself, or look after yourself, or, you know, have, have a bit of fun, you know. And, and that causes problems. And it's very easy to happen to people who are self-employed. It's something I constantly have to have a check on, because I could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I have to try and not do that. Get a little bit of white space in there. I don't care if it's five minutes, if it's just to close the door, have a cup of tea, and just breathe. I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a world groundbreaking thing, but get a bit of white space into that diary. Try and get rid of things that are not serving you. In some people's worlds, probably not yours, there's an awful lot of social media, there's an awful lot of scrolling, there's an awful lot of times on time on phone, phones, and um, that's causing indirectly a lot of mental health difficulties. Um, but the stuff that isn't serving you, like you have such little precious time available in the week for yourself. Try and connect that time to something that will actually enhance and improve your life. Whether it's having a coffee with someone you haven't seen in forever, making a phone call to someone who's really lonely, and, and actually, by you actually trying to help someone else, you'll actually end up really helping yourself. But connect that little bit of white space that you have with something that's going to really positively impact your life. And if you can, if you try and work something fun into your schedule, because it just gets forgotten about. So anything that makes you laugh, brings you joy, I don't care what it is. If you, if you can't, if you don't even know what that is, that's fine. Just sit down and think about it. Try and get some of these things into your life, because what it'll do is it'll help with that stress recovery response. You have to focus on recovery with the lifestyles that you need. Finally, Diane speaks to the dangers of those selling magic potions and get fit quick magic beans. Be careful of this, because in my field of health and fitness, there's influencers and all sorts of people all over the place, and they're telling you that their lives are perfect, and if you just do this, everything will be amazing, and if you just take the supplement or if you just... 
I'm 20 years working in this profession and I've spent 15 of those working intensively one-to-one -one with people. Nobody lives this life. And you know, people will say to me, right, I'm going to change my nutrition, I'm going to change my training, I'm going to do all these things. You need another 40 hours in your week to do that. It's just, it's just not possible. So if you can do something today that will help you recovery, great. You might be able to do it tomorrow, but it's wherever you can, try and focus on that recovery. My final thought, physical health, mental health and well-being are not things that happen naturally. You have to work on it. If you want it, you have to invest in it. It's like if you don't invest in your pension, there won't be one there when you retire. It's the same with your health. If you do nothing, it just gets taken away every year with the aging process. You have a huge amount of control over this. Muscle matters. Get it strong. There's a lot you can do from the lifestyle perspective. Focus on recovery from stress. Recovery is your absolute best friend. Can't get rid of the stress? Focus on recovery. Put white space in your diary for your own health and well-being. Time and health are not guaranteed. Assess yours and use it wisely. Okay, let's get the perspective of the audience, starting with Huey Egan, who's a dairy farmer from Dune in Offaly. He says he took a huge amount away from Diane and Ruth's presentation. I thought it was very good, very informative. Um, great for us to hear it because uh, health and fitness and lifestyle, I suppose, for us people that are so busy the whole time, uh, we just kind of throw it one side because we just haven't time to do it. But it's explained in there very well and it's very basic stuff I suppose that you hear a lot of the time but it's, when, you, when you hear them putting it so simple that you just have to go and make time for fitness and health and lifestyle and mental your mental health probably more so than anything it's, I, I thought it was a great, very very good presentation I thought the two girls done very well made it very simple and it's not rocket science but there's no silver bullets at the end of the day it's all about work and organisation yes and Dan I suppose farmers won't be uh, f uh, you know that's the, they, they understand work and organisation so maybe it's something as a group that uh, you, you, you do have the ability to tackle I suppose and the other thing I thought in there as well was maybe it's easier to do stuff like that in a group like because we do all our other stuff here in the discussion group like together like we're grass measurement we're up in line with one another we're in whatsapp groups we do our grass measurement we do our fertility figures we do our fats and our protein figures and all this stuff and we share all this and our financials in the year and maybe doing something like on health and fitness and mental health and all this thing maybe this could be all something we could do as a group as well one of the things that struck me actually uh, as well was that it's obviously a profession that can produce repetitive strain injuries and that type of thing but it's also a profession that the guys are pointing out uh, has some really positive health benefits you're out in the fresh air you're surrounded by greenery and your step counts are all pretty high as, uh, as well as that so there's there's good sides to the job as well as difficulties Sure, I suppose, isn't that it? We kind of have our own personal gyms at home in the yeah. in our fields. Probably better than anything, but uh, it's probably the other things. It's, it's, I don't know, I'm an old stage, or probably a long time at one of the older members of their group. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is all new stuff. The younger lads look after themselves probably a bit better. A lot of them probably going to gyms in that during the winter, but coming from a fella that got two knee, knee replacements last uh, this time last year, um, I'm very delighted for a lot of the stuff I've seen there today. So I'll have a basic stretch and uh, getting your steps in um, but they, what goes with it is it is a very healthy lifestyle it's very work intensive but like it is what you make it yourself and uh, it's great to be able to get up in the morning pick on a pair of wellies and 20 yards down the road you're at work you don't have to be sitting in traffic jams or worrying or doing up your looking at checking your emails on the way in or anything like this so uh, I don't know I love what I do 
it's a pity uh, we probably are a bit hard on ourselves we probably do work too long and all that like you know but um, it's important to get a work-life balance Ronan Feary dairy farmer Shannon Harbour Ronan we're here at uh, your farm and we've just seen uh, Dr Diane Cooper and uh, Ruth Cavanagh delivered their talk on health and fitness and specifically health and fitness on the farm and you'd invited um what, about 15, 16 of uh, your kind of farming colleagues from around the county here. I know it's a, a, a regular meeting that you guys have, but you decided when you were hosting it to make it about health and fitness. How did you find today's presentation? I thought it was um, very good, David. Uh, it's not something we'd normally do. We're usually dealing with figures and cows and EBIs and proteins, butterfat, and just for this discussion group, I decided we might just look at ourselves instead of cows and land and and fertilizer and meal. So, uh, we're the group is aging slightly. So, um, and we've all had uh, niggles and aches and pains. And I just thought for this group, uh, we might just take in a couple of specialists and let them have uh, have a few words with us. And I thought the presentation was very good. I thought it was very in depth. I thought the guys were very engaged in it, and I think they got an awful lot out of it. If uh, what, if anything, was there in there that uh, you might take away from it yourself? I think to be to take the time to look after yourself uh, physically uh, with the stretching and with the the activities that you can do, the simple things in life, and um, just to, just to work on your own uh, uh, physical, uh, I suppose, your physical. Because because this job is so physical, um, uh, and and we're the main machine on the dairy farm. This is, uh, we have to look after ourselves first before anything else, you know. It's a really good point, actually, to be the main machine on the dairy farm. It's probably a point lost on a lot of people from the outside of the profession. Mm. Um, then just more broadly speaking, on health and fitness, we like to talk about uh, people's place in society and participation and, and, and the kind of supports we can give each other. This group meeting, you have a Chagas facilitator, uh, but you guys make sure that you all get together and talk about the challenges and opportunities in the job all along the way. And with the changing face of farming, that must be an invaluable resource. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're just one of hundreds of discussion groups uh, that Chagas run around the country. Um, we're the West Offaly discussion group. I think there's five more in Offaly. Like I, I think I was saying to you earlier there that your know, farming is a very isolated game and you're farming many times on your own, most of the time on your own. And in this scenario, once a month, we meet on each other's farms. We go over figures, we go over uh, our performances. Uh, but it's it's really a social thing as well because um, if if guys are having a, a hard time with the weather or with the milk yields or whatever, it's good to be able to talk it out with other lads and to realise that you're not the only one in that situation. So I think this is a very important part of, I uh, suppose, what we do here as farmers uh, in the West Midlands. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it anyway, that's for sure. Kevin Heaven is my name here. I'm a dairy farmer from Belmont County, Offaly, uh, milking 180 cows here in Belmont. Uh, no small task, <laughs> I imagine. And uh, as we have been discussing today, that takes a fair amount of toll on the body over the course of many years, I can only imagine. Uh, Diane Cooper and Ruth Kavanagh were given a presentation about health and fitness on the farm today. Well, what did you make of it? Yeah, I'm taught very good. Um, the biggest problem, we all say we don't have enough time. The food we're eating, maybe it's just we're eating too quick and we're not taking time to eat the proper food because we're always rushing. And it's the same with our, our exercise you know what I mean? We always say we're too busy. And maybe, as like what the girl says, in 20 years' time, 
we might have we might we might be doing um, in uh, waiting rooms and A and E's where we could have done a bit of exercise now could have saved an awful lot of problems down the road. But all very good. Um, there was plenty to take from it. Uh, one of the things that uh, you were speaking to Diane about specifically actually was the fact that you and a few guys had done gym work during yes. the winter and this, and by the sounds of it, put in a lot of work when you were there and it just wrecked you afterwards. So there, there's yeah. there's an argument to be made for sometimes not uh, doing too much. Yes, yes. What we're doing was um, a few of us, we um, do the gym there before the cows start calving. So we'll probably start off this month and stay going to February. And then we go in and we'll probably do a bit too much. And then we're wrecked in for the next few days afterwards. So we don't take our time going up. And that's what the girls are saying, to do it slowly is better than, than all on the one day. But um, no, we try and keep as fit as we can. And the biggest problem then is, you see, we get busy then with cows calving and then we kind of stop. And then cows are calving and next thing you're into a breeding season, next thing you're into silage season. And next thing we don't get back into it again and we take it too long of a break. So And then it's harder and harder to get back then doing it, you know. And that's one of the things that was talked yeah. about is finding that time. And, and ultimately, <coughs> you kind of yeah. have to make yourself find it some way, shape that's or form, it. but yeah. not easily done. A final uh, point then is um, yeah. when you guys meet up then... I know you do it relatively regularly. Once a month. Once a month. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what way would you feel afterwards compared to the way you feel heading into it, typically? Yeah, I, I've often seen it that, especially when you're having a bad day on the farm and you have a lot of problems, uh, like calf scour and maybe not enough grass, and we're all complaining about the weather and all that. But when we go to these meetings and sit down as a group, and then you realise that you're not the only one in the problems. And it's great to iron out your problems. Like derogation now is the big one at the moment. And there's ways of getting around it, um, cut back on beef stock, um, cut back on maybe, you know, they're, they're already trying to get a bit extra into ground, maybe it might be the way to go. But um, there's ways out of it, and it's great to um, have the advice of other farmers, you know, uh, uh, and what way they're going to solve their problems. And usually, nine times out of ten, you're coming home way better than when you go to the meeting, you know, and it's something that I'd recommend for every farmer to be involved in. A shared problem is a problem halved. That's it, yeah. Like you know, and as I said to you, you think you're the only one in, in this situation. You're not. Do you know what I mean? And there's always solutions to the problems. And the biggest thing is they're able to talk about it. And then it's 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 not that you're getting advice from an advisor or, or a professional man. You're getting advice from a, fa- a fellow farmer, which is I always take more on board than I say a professional man. Uh, my name is Jim Miles. I'm a dairy advisor with Chagas, uh, based in Tullamore County, Offaly. I understand that you're, you know, you're involved in in, in getting these meetings up and running uh, once a month. Uh, so this maybe was something slightly a bit different. What did you make of it from, say, the the facilitator's perspective? Yeah, very different meeting today, David. Uh, generally, we talk about farm uh, technical efficiencies. We look at grassland management, breeding, uh, feeding. Uh, facilities on farms, labour, all that type of thing. So today was a fresh, fresh air, to be honest with you, something very, very different, but yet very, very important. You know, really, uh, the, the two uh, presenters really outlined, you know, the health of, of farmers, especially wouldn't be wouldn't be brilliant. And, and there was a lot of very good take-home messages for farmers and very practical the, the, the two girls I have to compliment them were excellent but they get people lots to think about and even I think one thing that stood for me just a small change that they, people might make in their lifestyle making a little change you know can have a big effect in, in terms of improving their their, their life and, and health After the break we're going to talk to Dr Sumi Dunn about the National Menopause Summit 
health and fitness with David Hollywood with the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Edenderry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tillamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus health and more. Thehearingconsultancy.ie now, on Friday, the 20th of October, uh, there is a National Menopause Summit taking place uh, in Cork. Uh, tickets and uh, details are confirmed and available through nationalmenopausesummit.com uh, to look forward to the event and maybe look at some of the issues that will come up there and some of the issues uh, that do affect women both across the Midlands and, of course, uh, throughout the country uh, is Dr. Sumi Dunn. Sumi, thanks very much for taking our call on health and fitness this evening. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. The event in Cork is um, taglined as advocating for change. So I think probably uh, a good idea is to talk about the kind of change uh, that uh, be it experts uh, or those affected through the uh, menopause uh, journey, uh, the kind of change that needs to happen for those people. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's change in a parallel sense. There's the kind of hormone change that's going to happen. But there's also the change that we need to be aware of to make our workplace environment aware, to make friends and family aware, to make those closest to us aware that, you know, it's not as easy a transition in this period of life as earlier challenges might be. Uh, And we do know a lot of women can come through this menopause journey quite seamlessly, but they're actually the rare minority. The majority of women, as their hormones change and certainly deplete, will have a vast array of symptoms and that can be really quite impactful both both personally and professionally. How meaningful is it then that there is dialogue from women to women about these uh, symptoms, about what to expect and to experience and that they can have those experiences a bit more in the open and to be understood by by wider society? I imagine all of this being stigmatized made it so much worse, even going beyond the physical experience. I would say the dialogue has started, you know, in the last 18 months since, you know, very well-known radio colleague and a great colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Deirdre Lundy, started that conversation. The conversation has started. It started at a very base level, women to women, women to doctors, uh, family back to women, employers back to women. There are, you know, within the workplace now, there are established menopause champions, but we can do much more. We can open that dialogue, make it very normal and keep it going and have that realm of, hold on a moment now, you know, just bear with me. Uh, You know, let me just explain what's going on with no stigma, no shame. We have done so much in that reproductive journey for women in Ireland. Uh, We can carry it on. It just doesn't have to be the childbearing years. We can carry it on all the way through. Uh, And that's really important. And I would very much encourage women to be able to say, look, this might be tough for me because of, uh, and then list, you know, what might be going on for them. A recent survey indicated that just over half of the women who were surveyed said that they felt female healthcare is not well supported in Ireland. So while we're talking about improved dialogue and um, this event hopefully furthers uh, the kind of self-confidence people can carry through uh, their menopause journey. Uh, there's an, 
very large constituency of women in this country who don't have faith in in, in the country's healthcare provision for them. Uh, so uh, in a broader point, female healthcare in Ireland, how do you observe it, where it's come from and where it is now? I think at the moment we really have made pivotal change. If you look at our complete, you know, from early years all the way through, through teenage years, through contraceptive journey, through childbearing journey to the postpartum journey, through into the perimenopause, menopause years, we've had huge change. And, you know, and part of that has been around 2019 and that pivotal movement where all reproductive choice can be looked after carefully and safely in the Republic of Ireland. Mm. Coming back to the menopause in particular, we know we haven't opened up the dialogue. We know we haven't been as forthcoming. And I think, you know, certainly a from approximately 10, 15 years ago when the study perhaps had shown that women might have been at higher risk of cancer. That's now been refuted. We've come forward with more learning. We've come forward with more evidence and we're certainly using different product type materials. Uh, And that had people scared and that shut down that dialogue. It shut down the conversation and it left women in silos, silos of care. But what we're trying to say now is that Things have changed. There are GPs and other health educators on the ground who are very, very willing to say we can help. Uh, And 90% of most menopause conversations is actually happening in general practice. Uh, And currently in the Republic of Ireland, there are over 800 GPs plus who are really invested in menopause care. Uh, And we're all part of a learning education WhatsApp group where we can, you know, ask each other you know, how can we improve care? Can we do more training? Uh, keep ourselves updated around that. And little things like that uh, can really help our women on the ground. You mentioned GPs there. I think whilst I was preparing for this interview, I thought that that must be a really important moment or relationship um, uh, how women might approach discussing menopause with their uh, general practitioner because it's maybe their first port of call. Um, it sounds, uh, Sumi, there that uh, doctors are relatively united in uh, their motivation to improve their ability to help women going through this. Uh, would you advocate for any specific approach for women other than just to, if you're experiencing unusual symptoms of any description and you're talking to your GP, you should talk about it? Absolutely. I mean, with women's health, there are what we always call the red flag symptoms. So if there's anything red flag about your own personal women's health journey, be it abnormal pelvic bleeding, be it lower consistent ongoing abdominal pain, be it a smear that you haven't undertaken in years, come forward. If there's issues with your menstrual cycle, if there's postcoital bleeding, come forward. Those need to be investigated irrespective of what else is going on in the background. But what is pivotal and what is important is that a lot of women are feeling that they may have to go to an expert to start the conversation. We can do this in general practice. And to start with that, and part of this conference, is to empower women with the knowledge to, what's the first question I ask? Uh, And one of the things I will say to all of my patients is, have you done a green score? Uh, And they might look at me, some are very well read, and go, yes, I know my green score. And others might go, I don't know, tell me. Mm. Uh, And that's a great starting point. And that's one of the things that I will be talking about. And would you believe, Dave, this score has been around since the 70s. You know, it's a climataric score 
that was put together back in the 70s of the types of symptoms that women experience. So we know about this. We've been aware of this for so long. Yeah. But now we're consolidating it and bringing it forward. There are many symptoms that women can go through when experiencing menopause. Some of them are very well known, others less so. I recently read that plantar fasciitis, which is a, a, a kind of a skin or a, a foot-related issue, uh, can be one of the problems that come up, for instance. And it just seems unbelievably obscure. Um, is there is there a number of symptoms that generally women will not, will not be aware of and, and again, that awareness needs to be driven up? Um, or is it, as you've said earlier in our conversation, the understanding has really come on a lot in recent years? Part of it, the understanding has come on uh, and part of it has been, you know, good access to good, robust knowledge. And for that, you know, again, women empowering women, there has been a body of, you know, non-medical women empowering women with their symptoms over the years but to move it out of that to move it into the open yes we are completely aware you know the most common ones we hear about are the hot sloshes are the night sweats uh, the low mood uh, fatigue combined with no sleep now if you can't sleep of course you're going to be wrecked if you're wrecked that's going to have multiple impacts on mobility and movement if we move that forward, mobility and movement is difficult. Joints might hurt. If joints hurt, any joint can hurt. So it does all come back to first principles of a changing hormone journey. Uh, you're right. There are some obscure ones that some women may not be aware of. We've heard of a burning mouth syndrome. Uh, we've heard of tingling at the fingertips. We've heard of palpitations. We've heard of crippling anxiety from women who would say, I am so put together. But now I just can't face going out the front door. I don't know what's happening to me. Uh, so all of these may be answerable through coming in and having a conversation. I think the important thing is that there can always be another medical journey unfolding. And only by conversation with a GP or someone that has good healthcare knowledge can you say, well, is this perimenopause, menopause, or is it something else? because you wouldn't want to miss an underlying condition. Well, for more information on explanations around perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and plenty beyond, uh, Dr. Sumi Dunn, who's a GP and clinical, clinical lecturer in general, general practice. And of course, many will recognise uh, from Ortiz Operation Transformation. Uh, Sumi, you'll be there in Cork, Cork City Hall on Friday, October 20th. Um, there's plenty more learning and uh, dialogue for everybody to engage in. And uh, I'm sure uh, you'd welcome uh, plenty of uh, attendees from the Midlands as well. I would be honoured to represent the women in the Midlands. Um, Dave, thank you very much. And absolutely, let's keep this conversation going. Uh, and to anyone listening out there, please know your green score. Sumi, much appreciate you talking to us on Health and Fitness this evening. Thank you very much, Dave. Next, you'll hear about the difficult situation around equal access to facilities in Gaelic Games. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy. With free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, Mullingar Dental Clinic and now at Keynes Care Plus Pharmacy Edenderry. Thehearingconsultancy.ie Midlands 103 
Now we're getting down to the closing stages of the County Club Championship seasons and in Leash, the Leash uh, Ladies Senior, Intermediate and Junior Football Championships reached um, their conclusions over the weekend. Uh, there was disappointment, however, voiced about the fact that they did not take place in Amore Park in Leash. Uh, they were in Stradbally and Park Rathanesca GAA grounds instead. I'm very glad to say that the Leash Ladies Football Secretary, uh, Michelle Hughes, joins me. Uh, Michelle, from Leash Ladies Football perspective, uh, what happened in the build-up to these finals uh, that ended up with them being played away from Amore Park? Good afternoon, David, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, represent the Leash Ladies Executive in respect of this uh, matter. Just to uh, first get to congratulate um, the, the teams involved, especially Arch and Home Port Leash on their fine win mm. on Saturday last, the 7th. And it was to be clear that in the days leading up to the, the finals, the uh, county executive did not want to in any way um, overshadow or detract from the events of Saturday in terms of the teams and the footballing highlights of the year. Yes, David, there was um, uh, a lot of public discourse leading up to the finals in respect of uh, the issue of venues. And I suppose um, in addressing that issue, we have put out a statement uh, in respect of that. And and essentially what we we are saying in respect of that is that the issue around resources and the allocation of pitches and resources in these is, uh, is an ongoing challenge for all the associations. And um, on this occasion, we, while we had applied in a timely fashion in, in May for our finals to be held in Omore Park on the 7th of October, um, it, it wasn't uh, possible for the GAA to accommodate us on this occasion. So I suppose we, we as an association are very um, concerned to highlight that this is an issue um, of resources and uh, an issue in relation to equality of access to those resources for all uh, playing sports in leash. And it was, we are anxious to emphasise that with the backdrop of the associations negotiating the potential amalgamation in, into the future, that um, we, we possibly at a local level could um, very uh, appropriately uh, come to the table and start to have those conversations locally in relation to how we um, access the, the scarce resources that are there and how we can work as associations together. So I suppose while it was unfortunate and um, uh, I suppose uh, diff- disappointing for the players not to be playing in the Park on this occasion, it has opened up the positive, positive opportunity for the associations involved to um, will come together and work together to ensure that we don't find ourselves in this situation again going forward. Okay, so ultimately a request was made to Leash GA. They weren't able to accommodate the three finals in Port Leash um, and that's how we've ended up uh, where we are today. The Leash GA board said that they had four finals uh, already in place at Amore Park over the course of that weekend. They were the Intermediate Hurling Championship final and Premier Intermediate on Saturday and then the Senior Hurling final and the Under-17A Hurling final on Sunday. Uh, do you accept that that was an acceptable response or is there disappointment from the ladies' executive that accommodation could be, could not be made, at least from a an equality perspective, that um, how this looks on the exterior, it, it is rather negative? What I can say to you is that our GA colleagues have very kindly accommodated the ladies' board this year in respect of other finals taking place in the Centre of Excellence 
and we thank our, our colleagues in the DA for that support. The Ladies Football Association finds themselves in the position where we don't have a, a, our own grounds or facilities, so we have the challenge um, always to, to find uh, pitches, and we know that um, those scarce resources are, are not always available to us. Um, so while, while we have been able to have some of our competition finals in the Centre of Excellence, on this occasion, obviously, um, the Omoa Park wasn't available to us. I suppose what, what is important is, yes, there is an issue of access uh, and equality in relation to, to um, ensuring that, uh, you know, the, the access to, to participation is, is on an equal basis for, for girls and boys and men and women in leash. And I suppose I've highlighted in the statement, you know, the disparities there are between uh, the genders in relation to participation, particularly in the 16 to 18 year, year old age group. So we have a way to go in terms of ensuring that we support all young people in Leeds to participate equally in sport. And I think that that is the challenge that we have to face in the, in the next coming uh, years in terms of, of valuing that participation equally and, and sharing the resources in respect of that equally. Yeah, I think that's a, a relatively positive way to finish uh, this conversation on is that the objective is and should always be to accommodate uh, young people in sport equally. Um, a final point then, uh, the amalgamation of all the associations under one umbrella, whenever it does happen in future, uh, is it something you're, you're looking forward to, you feel that really will elevate Gaelic games in this country to a new level? Absolutely. And it is, it is essential, I suppose, at this point in time that we keep up momentum for that. The, I, I referred in the statement also to the, you know, to the the discussions that are happening locally within clubs and indeed in my own club in Leash in respect of um, becoming a one-club model. And it was there, there, those conversations that are happening locally are the conversations that need to happen at county and national level in terms of how do we share, how do we prioritise, how do we work together to harness the skills and expertise of everyone involved in sport. Because at the end of the day, that sport, the promotion of sports with young people and with everyone is the promotion of, of health and well-being for the whole population. So, yes, absolutely. I think there are huge challenges ahead for the associations in, uh, I suppose, finalising how um, the, you know, the model will work. And essentially, we have the challenge to those existing bodies that have resources uh, in how they will be shared. So while there are challenges, I think it is, it is extremely important that the conversation remains front and centre and that we progress the amalgamation going forward. That's it for Health and Fitness this week. A big thanks once again to everyone involved in this week's show, especially to Diane, Ruth, Ronan and all the farmers of West Offaly.